As I said, that hymn uh, was written by John Newton, who I've shared many times before, uh, was a slave trader in the 18th century, most famous for writing the hymn Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Uh, But in later life, he was a pastor, and a pastor not far, actually, from where uh, I grew up. I think it was just outside Bedfordshire um, in Olney. Um, I've been there uh, several times. Uh, But he was a pastor right up into old age. And apparently, so the story goes, I, I want this story to be true. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. Uh, But apparently when he was nearly 80 years old, uh, John Newton was almost blind and he could um, scarcely see the sermon notes that he had in front of him. So he used to have a helper, apparently, who stood beside him in the pulpit to assist him and uh, help him. Uh, One Sunday morning, uh, John Newton uh, twice read out the words, Jesus Christ is precious. And because he said it twice, uh, his helper nudged him and said, you've you've already said that twice. And he says, go on, continue with your sermon. And then Newton said to him, yes, I've said it twice and I'm going to say it again. And it says, the roof timbers rang again as he cried, Jesus Christ is precious. Uh, he was getting old, uh, he was blind, but one thing was very still, was still clear to his mind, that Jesus Christ is precious. And that's the theme of the message this evening, uh, based on these verses that we've read. Did you notice verse 4, where it says, or Peter writes, Uh, Coming to him, that's Christ, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Likewise, in verse 7, Peter says, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. And as I said earlier, uh, really, there are just two types of people uh, listening to this message this morning, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the building. Uh, There are those of you who Jesus is, for whom Jesus is precious. And those are those of you who find Jesus offensive. Uh, Now, of course, there is a third group, and the third group are those who have never heard of Jesus. But by the end of this message, at least, that won't be true of you. Uh, whoever you are. Uh, And there are only two sorts of people who have heard about Jesus, those who find him precious and those who find him offensive. And Peter describes both sorts in these verses. As I say, this morning we're to be looking at why Jesus is precious to those who believe. And next time we'll see how he is offensive to those who don't. And I've got three reasons. Uh, Normally I have three reasons, and I do again this morning. 
three reasons from these verses why Jesus is precious. Uh, Firstly, because Jesus is a firm foundation to those who believe. Uh, Secondly, it is by Jesus that we are made pleasing to God. And lastly, he is precious because he never disappoints. Jesus never disappoints. And we'll look at each of those three in turn this morning. Let's look at the first one. Jesus is precious because he is a firm foundation. Uh, Look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 and 5. Peter says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Uh, Peter here describes Jesus as a living stone. You might say, that's a strange way to describe a person, (laughs) a living stone. In what sense is Jesus like a stone? Uh, Well, he explains when he describes what we are like. Uh, He says, we also, if we believe on Jesus, if we trust in him, are like living stones built on him. Not a physical house, but a spiritual house house. If you trust on Christ, if you trust in Christ, if you build your life on him, then you're building on a firm foundation. Um, The age in which we live uh, has been described by certain sociologists and psychologists as the age of anxiety. Probably not very difficult to work out why. Um, people have noted how there seems to be an epidemic of anxiety in our society. Um, all of us know someone who struggles with anxiety. Perhaps we struggle with it ourselves, and it seems rife in the culture in which we live. And there are many different theories about why that is so. Uh, Why are people struggling so much with anxiety today? Why is it such a prevalent problem? Uh, Like I said, there are many theories, uh, but um, my theory is that part of it is because we live in a society which has removed the foundation for deciding what is right and what is wrong. Uh, In years gone by, uh, people had more or less a common morality. It was built upon the Bible, at least in this country. Uh, There was a common understanding that what the Bible taught was true and good and beneficial, and people stood on that, and people could hold to that. That's why in law courts... It still happens, but that's why people swore on the Bible, uh, because it was like a touchstone so that you could know what was truth and what was error, what was right and what was wrong. But now, although people might verbally accept the Bible to some extent, they may swear on it, 
in practice, people no longer esteem the Bible. They no longer esteem God's word. And it's a free-for-all what is right and what is wrong. Uh, The mantra of our society is believe in yourself. Trust yourself. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. And is it surprising then that so many people are overwhelmed with anxiety as a result? Uh, That's bound to make anyone anxious. You are the ground for truth. You decide what is right and what is wrong. That's a burden too great to lay on any one individual, except one. And I believe that is at least part of the reason why there is so much anxiety in this world, because we've lost an understanding of what is right and wrong. Uh, People base these uh, fundamental decisions based on feelings alone, based on what they think alone, and it cannot support the weight. Uh, I mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again because it's very much in the news. Uh, We see it happening in real time. Um, On the news, there is a great deal of criticism of Qatar and the um, moral code that is held to there. But have you ever wondered, how do the pundits on the TV, how do those critiquing the government of Qatar, how do they know what is right and what is wrong? How do they know they are right and the Qataris have got it wrong? How do you decide? What standard are you using to judge another country? Go to Qatar and they think they're right. Come here, we think we're right. Or at least certain people think they're right. And you see, there is no standard. If there is no God, if there is no law that he has laid down, it's just a free-for-all. It's just whoever's idea wins out. Might wins in the end, whoever is strongest. How can we decide what is right and what is wrong? Well, Jesus, uh, Peter gives us the answer in these verses. He says the answer is Jesus. Jesus is how we know what is right and what is wrong. Jesus is the standard by which we can judge any other person. We cannot because we're just a human being like everyone else. But Jesus has the authority to judge everyone. And he is that firm foundation that we can build on. Uh, If you're ever doubtful, what is the right course? If you're ever doubtful about what is the truth and what is error, look at Christ. Put your gaze on him and you will know the right path. It is a safe path to follow. That's why Jesus himself said that I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's the first reason Peter gives why Jesus is precious, because he is a firm foundation to stand on. So that's the first question for each of us this morning. Uh, Who 
or what are you building your life on? Uh, What is it which decides in your life what you should and should not do? We've all got someone or something. We all have something which is the highest priority in our life. What is it for you? If it's anything or anyone but Jesus, then it will let you down. It will not support you in the end. Peter says, come to Jesus. Build on him. He is a safe foundation. And so anyone who trusts in him, Jesus is precious. That's the first reason Jesus is precious. He provides a firm foundation to build your life upon. The only firm foundation. But let's move on. Uh, what's the second reason Jesus is precious? Uh, you'll notice how Peter goes on. He says in verse 5, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter doesn't just say that we are like a house being built on the foundation that is Jesus. He says we are a priesthood and that we offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Now, you might say that's, that's odd sort of language. When we think of priests, we think of men with pointy hats in churches. But that's not what Peter's thinking of here. Peter is saying that through Christ, we have free access to God. That's what a priest is. Uh, a priest is someone who mediates between man and God. And Peter says here that through Christ, we can have free access to the God of the universe. Through Christ, we can be pleasing to him. Uh, one of the most shocking things the Bible teaches is that you cannot please God by yourself. Uh, It's shocking because we all naturally think we can. Uh, Naturally, we think deep down inside of us, we're good enough. And we can be pleasing to God if only we try hard enough. The Bible says no. The Bible says you cannot please God by yourself. Uh, There is nothing in you that can be pleasing to God by yourself. And the book of Proverbs says that every person proclaims their own goodness. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, Everyone proclaims their own goodness. Everyone is willing to defend themselves. Because all of us, ultimately, deep down at least, think we're pretty good people. At the very least, we're not as bad as that person over there. We might not be as good as that person, but we're certainly not as bad as them. You might say, but I I don't have very high self-esteem. But don't be too sure. Uh, For example, how do you react when someone criticizes you? Even people with low self-esteem react with anger or bitterness or grief. Do you see, even low self-esteem can often hide pride in our hearts. Uh, Some proud people constantly admire themselves and think about how great they are. 
but other proud people constantly despise themselves and think about how bad they are because they have an idea of what they should be or what they are really deep down if only circumstances were different. And all of us are like that. All of us, when we come down to it, have a high opinion of ourselves. But what the Bible says is that by ourselves, we cannot please God. Uh, If we try, we will fall completely flat on our faces. But through Christ, we can be pleasing to God. Uh, The humble person who says, by myself I am nothing, but they come to Christ and trust in him and build their life on him, the Bible says Christ makes that person pleasing to God. Uh, Everything good about us comes from Jesus or through Jesus. And everything bad about us when we trust him is forgiven by and covered by Jesus. That's why Jesus is precious to the believer. He's our only hope of being pleasing to God. But when we do trust him, when we do build our lives on him, we receive the smile of God. He is gracious towards us and we are welcomed into his family and he becomes our loving father. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with someone, a family member or, or otherwise, and that person has done something to hurt you. And whenever you see that person, the thing they've done to hurt you just is always there. Uh, you can't ignore it. And that thing has harmed that relationship um, to breaking point. You just can't get over it. Uh, I'm sure we've all had that experience. Um, Perhaps you've seen families uh, standing outside the Old Bailey or outside the courtroom, and they've had a family member murdered or um, grievously hurt in some way. And the judge has given their sentence, and the family say, it's not enough. Perhaps they've received life, and the family feel they deserve death. Uh, You see how sin and hurt and harm creates this barrier to relationship. Uh, A price has to be paid before that relationship can continue. Well, that's the same with us and God. Uh, we've done many things to hurt God, uh, to, um, uh, to turn away from him. Uh, God is our loving, heavenly father, and yet we've turned our backs on him in many ways. And God can't just simply ignore that. There's this obstacle in that relationship between us and God, naturally. But Jesus removed it. When Jesus came to this world and died on the cross, uh, it was, as it were, he nailed that obstacle, he nailed our sin to his cross, and he rose again that we might have new life, that we might be reconciled to God. And so instead of God looking at us and seeing our sin, he can look at us and see us as his friends if we come to him. 
That's why Jesus is precious to the believer. He gives us access to God. He can reconcile us back to our heavenly Father. He and only he can do that because only he has removed that barrier between us. That's the second reason Jesus is precious. He makes us pleasing to God. Let's look at the third and last reason Jesus is precious. Now look at verse 6. Peter says, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Uh, I love that verse. Peter uh, is quoting from Isaiah chapter 28. Uh, which speaks of the Messiah, the promised king who would come to save God's people. And uh, in that verse, in Isaiah 28, verse 16, God says, whoever trusts in God's appointed king, whoever trusts in Christ, will never be put to shame. Or as we might say, will never be disappointed We can put our trust in many things in life, and many of them disappoint. I don't know if you've ever trusted another person and you thought they would do something for you. Uh, They promised they would, and they failed. And that is a very um, common experience in life. But God says, whoever puts their trust in Christ will never be put to shame, will never be disappointed. Um, Some people put all their hopes of happiness in finding a spouse. But if you put all your hopes of happiness there, you will be disappointed. Uh, Some people put all their hopes of happiness in their career. But if you put your hopes there, you will be disappointed. Uh, Some people put all their hopes of happiness in children and in having a family. But if you put all your hopes there, again, you will be disappointed. Uh, Don't misunderstand. There is satisfaction to be found in each of those things, but only if you don't make them the first thing. Only if you don't make them the only thing. Don't set all your hopes of happiness on these things because they cannot hold the weight. They will disappoint you in the end. Instead, we need to set our hope on Christ. And if you put your hope in him, you will never be disappointed. And that's not because Christ promises to fulfill all your dreams. Uh, In fact, Jesus promised the opposite, almost. Uh, He said, in this world, you will have much tribulation. That's not much of a promise, is it? (laughs) In this world, you will have much trouble of various sorts. But then he says, but fear not, because I have overcome the world. In other words, if I can put it this way, the reason that Jesus will never disappoint is precisely because he has promised not to fulfill all our dreams. Because what Jesus is saying is, in this world, you might be given the sack. Uh, In this world, you might not get married. In this world, 
you may get cancer. In this world, you may experience any number of different disasters. They could well happen to you. But regardless what happens to you in this life, Christ has your eternity secure. And do you see how much, how much of a better hope that is? Because it means that no disaster that can, hap- can happen to you in life that will ultimately destroy you. If I can put this without sounding glib, the worst that can happen is that you die. And then there's eternity. Jesus himself said, didn't he, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, even though he dies, yet will he live. Uh, Have you ever met a person uh, who manages to keep calm in whatever situation? Um, even when they're being verbally abused by someone, they just seem to, to take it, and it's like water off a duck's back. Uh, or they manage to keep a cool head in an extreme, stressful situation, or they learn some terrible news with great calm. And it's, it's almost like they know something you don't. Uh, anyone else, you think, looking at that situation would respond with anger or bitterness or, or with some great emotion. They say to take it with calmness. They seem to know something that you don't. Well, that's the effect knowing Christ can have in our lives. Because we do know something. We know that no matter what happens in this life, Christ has got us secure. We are safe for all eternity. Jesus doesn't promise to keep us safe in life. He does promise to keep us safe in death. Now, which would you prefer, given the choice? That's why Jesus is precious to believers. He gives us a sure foundation through all the ups and downs and the toils and tribulations of life. So that's the question I want to leave you with uh, this morning. Uh, is Jesus precious to you? Uh, I'm not asking, do you have nice feelings about Jesus? Uh, nearly everyone has nice feelings about Jesus. Uh, he's the little baby in the manger. Uh, he's the baby who um, we celebrate at Christmas. And many people love that. Many people love that thought of Jesus. Uh, Many people are happy to have him on a crucifix on their neck. But that doesn't mean he is precious. Is the Jesus of the Bible precious to you? Is the Jesus who is spoken of here, do you find him precious? Uh, Do you have a firm foundation a place to run to in this confused and confusing world. When you don't know which way is up and which way is down, is Christ your rock to build on? Uh, Is Jesus precious to you because you know he is your only hope of pleasing God? He is your only hope of access, full and free access to him. And is he precious to you because your hope is resting in him? Or are you hoping other things? Are you resting your hope in other, smaller, 
feebler, weaker, weaker things. Is Jesus precious to you? And that's why I've chosen as our last hymn, uh, the hymn in our service sheet. And this service sheet is all about, this song, this hymn is all about Christ and all he is to the believer and why he is precious to the person who trusts in him. So uh, Ian and Bethany are going to play for us. It's in Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. So we'll stand to sing our final hymn.